Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. A couple of months ago, I connected with Annick Says. The first time when we met over Zoom, we quickly shared our interests, passions, and it was clear that it was a real connection. Months later, I met Annick face-to-face in Cyprus when attending the annual conference of acceptance and commitment therapy. And here's what I can tell you. There are so many amazing qualities that Annick embraces as a human being. But if I have to choose the one that truly speaks to my heart, that's her authenticity. Annick is a professional speaker, act trainer, author, executive coach, and an act therapist. She is located in Hasselt, the Flemish region of Belgium. And in this episode, We discuss how you can make a transition, how you can make a shift from a life ruled by anxiety, worries, and fears to a life led by self-acceptance, self-compassion, and self-exploration. If you like this episode and you like the content of the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Even one sentence helps. And if you tag me on your Instagram handle, I will thank you personally. I also want to encourage anyone listening that is interested in identifying those thinking strategies, those playing it safe moves that keep you stuck in your head to complete the playing it safe questionnaire. It will take you five or seven minutes to answer all the questions and you will get the results right away. The results will show you the key thinking strategies that keep you living a contradiction between the life you want to live and the life that you are living in your head. So when you figure out your playing it safe profile, you will have the awareness to stop living small, to stop relying on ineffective playing it safe moves so you can start living with purpose every day you are awake. To complete the Playing It Safe questionnaire, you can go to the website www.thisisdrz.com and select the option Playing It Safe questionnaire from the menu. Let's jump onto the conversation with Annick. I wish you a great day and see you next week. Bye-bye. Here we are, right? Trying to do something that speaks to our heart, something with meaning and something goes off. How do you relate to those moments in which there is a huge gap between what you were hoping to experience 
the things that you were hoping to do or to be and what is when there is a gap between what we're wishing for and what is yeah i wish i could say i'm always like zen about it but i rarely ever am Um, my, my tendency is to push myself to force things when that happens, Mm -hmm. um, to hang on, to cling on to what I, what I wanted or what I've envisioned. Um, yeah, that's what I usually do. But I think there's like two things that can, or for me, there is two levels of things that can go wrong. I think the first is what we just had an issue technical issue and it's not um linked to who i am mm-hmm. so there i can be very flexible and, and you know shift things and that's not an issue so that's that's one part and then the other mm-hmm. part is things that i want to that i envision that i want to do that do somehow uh are linked to my perception of who I am Mm. um yeah something like that yeah yeah and thank you for mentioning that because you're pinpointing something very important here the difference between facing things that are not related to our sense of self to our sense of identity to our ego and your honesty to say you know sometimes I click into those things right (laughs) I hold on to them I am there with you certainly I have done that hundreds of times in my life do you mind sharing maybe a moment in which you were doing something that matters to you, that you identify with it, that in some way reflects your sense of who you are as a person and things didn't go well? How do we manage that? Yeah, um, I think that the the place or the domain in my life where I'm, where I'm the most um, able to get stuck in is probably my job. Mm-hmm. And a part of it, a small part of it, uh, is that it's like a public situation. Mm. Um, So I had a training center for years. You know, I trained a lot of therapists and then I I sold it in 2020. Mm. Um, But having that, I had a very, very busy schedule and I planned all kinds of things that I wanted to do. But then at the same time, I had to answer emails and do all kinds of other stuff and somehow I never was able to plan that right like Mm -hmm. this is how how the next coming week will be realistically Mm. it was more like what I want to do next week and what I think is important to do next week it's this this and this and this and then when it obviously often didn't work out that way I just felt nervous and like as if I was failing and letting people down and I felt pressure about money uh, not coming in because I couldn't do this or that. Um, But I think all of those anxieties that Mm -hmm. if you would ask me in that week what I'm anxious about, then I would tell you I have a busy schedule and I you know, I've, I've, I'm scared because I won't have enough money coming in and so forth. It's all just the surface. Mm. Inside, I think it was all about if I don't do this right, I won't be successful. I will fail. And I'm utterly not good enough. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a huge revelation, right? That many times we have these micro anxieties in some way, yeah. right? but if we unpack them, then there is a deeper fear. And and I think for people who are high achievers, strivers, and people with more perfectionistic behaviors, that's the underlying pain. Within acceptance and commitment therapy, we try to make a pivot from attachment to the conceptualized self to self-acceptance. And sometimes we think about self-acceptance as this acknowledgement of the reality of how we are or who we are in the world. But it is hard. It is hard because that means letting go of all those notions. How do you experience that pivot? Uh, How do you experience self-acceptance? Yeah, I think it's an ongoing exercise. (laughs) (laughs) It never ends for us, yeah. Um, But I think that um what I did with I mean as I said it is as you said it's a struggle it's an it's an ongoing uh exercise and the best way to go about it for me is to be curious to Mm. be able to say I've been in this kind of situation before what could go what could be the thing that is happening with me deep down because I've been in this road before and that's something for me is remarkable as humans we seem to be going into this type of situations and be completely like taken by it like whoa what is happening to me I'm I'm overwhelmed or like as if you're surprised but oftentimes this is a circle that you've visited many many times before so the major click for me was when I could become curious and say I know this what what is this uh, and how do I know it um, and then to look into the I'm not good enough how deep is it how um, how true is it for me like not in a not in a cognitive sense of no it's not true because da, 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 I am well I am worth it I am worthy etc but more in a sense of for me this is true mm-hmm. let me visit that feeling and let me um, find a way to find compassion and to know that this is normal Uh, this is normal behavior and normal thinking if you know my past and I get pressured and I have all kinds of ideas to 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 be worthy and then something crosses that path that I get panicky and that I that my answer to that is perfectionist Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As you get curious about this feeling, this thought that says, I'm not good enough, what if I fail? And you really dive into it and say, what is? And you make room for it. Mm-hmm. How would that look? Like if someone is next to you and they see you in that moment of being curious, will you be doing a mindfulness exercise? Will you be journaling? How would that look? For people listening to us, Perhaps they find themselves sometimes trapped in perfectionistic behaviors, not doing things more and more, but never feeling good enough. So they're Mm -hmm. listening to us and they want to be curious and practice curiosity. How will that look? Any tips for that? Yeah. um, I think that uh, the first thing I try to do is look at it like an unresolved question, like Mm -hmm. a puzzle that I get in front of me and I can like... I. I'm doing this with my hands now, which of course already means I'm taking some kind of a distance of, okay, let me 
let me now look into this. What do I know about this? What do, how, how is this familiar for me? Mm -hmm. um, like, and of course, the biggest struggle in that moment is I've been here before. Mm. And when I'm really stuck, I'm like, no, I haven't. This is different. This is something I need to, you know, dive into. And but I'm like, okay, just if it's too hard to think about this now, then don't, because you know that your mind is so rapid and so eager to find an answer mm. uh, to resolve that issue. That I'm like, okay, maybe tomorrow. Maybe I don't need to resolve this today because I know that I will not find answers that are thoroughly enough. I will stay at the surface and that's not the place to solve this. So maybe I need to look at, into this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then I check again. I'm like, okay, maybe the day after. And of course, my mind keeps racing. And of course, there are moments where I think, I don't care. I need to resolve this and, you know, get rid of all those philosophical questions. I just need an answer now. But mm -hmm. I try to take some distance where my mind is a bit less racing mm -hmm. and I can take a bit more distance and, and find curiosity into, I know this before, what is the youngest feeling that I can link it to? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and some, and like, and sometimes I can ask myself, what's the flavor of it? Yeah. Not, not really like, do I know an example where I've had this type of situation? Because oftentimes my mind can't find the example, mm -hmm. um, but I know the flavor of it. I've been here before. Um, and, and of course, I can listen to my body mm -hmm. and have that same, you know, my stomach. For me, it's my stomach that just... Crunches. Uh, so I I do the same thing there. Like, where have I felt this when I was younger? Mm -hmm. What do I know about this feeling? Mm -hmm. um, that's where I usually start. That's beautiful. I think that is such a compassionate and curious process, right? To really unpack this fear. Um, there's a lot to say and unpack more. Of course, I have more questions. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I'm curious here, do you experience the fear of being a failure different than the fear of not being good enough? Is the quality of the experience different for you or are they similar? I think that's a very interesting question, looking at it from an RFT point of view, mm -hmm. um, the language part of how, how our brain uh, works is with language. And so... Um, I think actually using using the words that really click for you is mm -hmm. very, very important. Mm -hmm. Me anyway, it is. So um, not good enough often for me. Also, when I work with clients, it doesn't feel like it's close to their hearts. It's emotionally close. It's like this container concept that they're using, like stress is also a container concept for me. Like, what does that mean? How low is your worth for you? Mm -hmm. um, and does this have to do with feeling ashamed of yourself or feeling repulsive or um, feeling that you don't matter um, or that people look right through you and they don't see you? Um, 
or are you a failure for example like i try to look for words also in within myself should i be ashamed of who i am those are more for me specific ways of going into diving into this issue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lately i have been thinking a lot about this in terms of how this intense fear of failing can't be the source of perfectionistic behaviors, procrastinating behaviors, and the imposter phenomenon, right? Like second-guessing yeah. and doubting what we're capable of. There is also this fear of not being good enough that is driving all this. And lately, I'm curious, do we experience that differently? So that's what I was wondering here. The other point that came to me as you were sharing is that a lot of people have been exposed to yeah. positivity or right. I know we both are nodding our heads, but this is still happening in 2023. We still have the legacy of those toxic messages. I have clients that have been told that they have to look some part of their bodies, like their hands and say how, how beautiful they are and all, all types of things in response to having any doubtful thought or any, any negative thought about themselves. For us, as clinicians, we are very familiar with distancing, with the future, with creating a space and separating ourselves from our thoughts. And we acknowledge that our mind has a life on its own. But what would you say about these messages that are so popular these days? <laughs> you you have two hours so that I can really say what I think about this. Yeah, I think it's so crazy. It's I mean, we know we know that this type of messages. Um, gets people further estranged from who they are because they, on top of the layers that are already there, they're trying to do something that they're not good at. Yeah. And so it adds to not feeling good enough because I'm also failing in, in doing something that doesn't feel good to do in the first place. Um, but if the psychologist or whoever the coach tells you to do this and you're failing at it, then there is another failure added to it. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing I want to say to this is um, I looked into pictures when I was about when I was very when I was younger, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and I came across a picture. It's not so long ago, and I came across a picture of me in a bikini. Mm-hmm. And I saw the picture and I my stomach told me, like, oh, there is that ugly picture. And I, I looked at the picture and I was like, what would be wrong with that? That's a beautiful woman. What's wrong with that picture? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And I told my husband and he said, I've been saying this to you all your life. Like there's really absolutely nothing wrong with your body. Quite the opposite. I like your body, mm-hmm. but you don't believe it. And I think that the reason why now I can say there is nothing wrong with that picture. And even today I can look at my legs and see the cellulite and think there's nothing wrong with my legs. Mm-hmm. It's not because I try to convince myself, mm-hmm. but it's because that's how I feel. And I think there's a big difference if you, I mean, the example is, is for me quite simple. If you have a friend and you tell your friend, I'm so stuck. Mm-hmm. And your friend tells you, just stay on the positive side, dear. Just, you know, keep at it. I don't know. But that for me, that's not a friend I will call again. Mm-hmm. I will feel rejected. I will feel 
not understood. And if that is a voice that you're using for yourself, then I think we're in dangerous waters because you're distancing yourself from who you are. And I don't believe that's what we want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had moments in which I got messages like that. And the experience for me is feeling unseen. And I feel alienated with messages like that. Um, Because I think what we're facing is acknowledging the complexities of being human. And that comes with second-guessing thoughts about ourselves and doubting ourselves. But to be who we are doesn't mean smashing any negative thoughts about ourselves or pretending they are not there. Have you found in your life and in your work any skills or exercises that will be helpful for people to tap into this observer self, the part of us that is in some way like more transcendental? Yeah, one thing for me that helps is to come into the now. Mm. Um, because as we know and act, um, they're, they're connected mm-hmm. to be able to go into the observer self helps you when you can observe whatever you're observing and then you can observe the self. So one of the things that I do sometimes is go for a slow walk. Mm -hmm. I start off walking at a pace that my mind is at racing. And then I like slowly slow down Mm -hmm. until I walk very slowly. And so my mind starts not racing as much and then I have this compassionate conversation with myself as if I'm really talking to somebody like what's going on dear what's what's wrong and then okay and do you know this before have you ever seen this before in your life where this has happened because it sounds like this is not the first time and it sounds really you're overwhelmed and I you know that's I try to be the most the best friend that I can find for myself Mm -hmm. experience then is is for me double one is I'm I'm going to the observer self like I can Mm -hmm. see what I think of myself and the other part which helps me in this exercise is I feel confident Mm -hmm. that I'm able to solve this myself which of course adds to another part of me that is not in confidence but is confident and capable of dealing with difficult issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's such a beautiful response as you were talking there was something softening within me I was imagining you walking and then really reflecting and trying to be your best friend I think there is something really powerful here about acknowledging the half minds that we have but really holding that gently as you're doing, trying to be your best friend. Not a friend that tells you, oh, get over it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, everything is going to be fine. But a friend that really explore what's hurting, what's happening right now. That was very beautiful. And I want to encourage people listening to us to try this, becoming their own best friends in moments of stuckness, doubt, and fear. When we think about self as an observer, Within acceptance and commitment therapy, perhaps it's one of these processes that is mostly misunderstood by people. If you have to give the audience a brief definition of what is this famous self as an observer, what will that be? (laughs) 
Yeah, that, now, there is an interesting question. Um, <laughs> no. I hope not a lot of experts are listening to this podcast, but I'll try and give it a shot. I would say that if I were to explain the difference, that's the thing that works for me best. Let me give it. Yeah, I'm sorry to be chaotic, but let me give you an example. Um, once I was in a store in a shop and I wanted to try on a dress mm-hmm. and I it was like with all kinds of um, rope. So I had to you know, move the fabric and I was making knots and knots in the, in, the, in the rope. And I came outside to look at my friend and see if she, what she thought of the dress. And the first person I saw was a man who was sitting there waiting for his wife. And then behind him was my friend. And the first thing my friend did was point back at the um, where you try the dress. I don't know what the word is, but she she pointed to me like, go back in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is the dress okay? Just go back in. And the guy was just like looking at me and he couldn't keep his eyes off of me. And I was like, what, what's, what's going on? So I turned around and I said, what do you think of my dress? And she, she pointed even more drastically, <laughs> go back inside. <laughs> so I did. And I, I looked in the mirror and all of the fabric, I just had done it in the front. So I was like completely naked in the back. <laughs> completely exposed in the back. <laughs> so I laughed with it. Of course, I felt shame. But it was like shame as a feeling. Mm-hmm. You can laugh with it. We can laugh with it. It's funny. It, it's just that nothing else happens. But like, if you compare it to I am shameful, mm-hmm. then it's, and it might even not be something that you feel. It's like something that you carry with you. And it's like, for me, I compare it to your socks. Mm-hmm. You don't even know that you're wearing them and, unless that you start feeling because otherwise you don't know that they're there. It's a much deeper layer. Um, and the observer self helps you to be curious again and look into, could that be the thing that I'm carrying around? Let me look at situations where I encounter that I'm stuck and see what could be the thing that would be going on underneath there. Mm-hmm. And you need the stance of, I know I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Like there is an I and I have different kinds of feelings and I have different kinds of behaviors and I have different kinds of thoughts. Like everybody does. Like we do, for example, you wake up in the morning and you already have a kind of a mood. I usually am, am I usually have a morning mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I uh, go into the bathroom, I often put on my headset and just start dancing in my bathroom. That's a different mood than when I just woke up. And when I sit in my car, I usually drive too fast and I get annoyed <laughs> for the people around me because I want them to ride to drive faster as well. So that's a different mood. And then I come to work and I see a client and usually I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. It's a different mood. So we go through all these moods all day long, like literally maybe every 10 minutes we shift it a bit. So it's not who we are, it's what goes through us. 
And this is also something that we have, that we carry with us. And let's look at it, not from a sense of this is who I am, but from a sense of this is this is what I perceive that I often think of that I am. When I do, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And I'm more than that person. There is something powerful here. We cannot understand ourselves as an observer unless we're experiencing it and we're curious of it, right? It's like you don't notice your socks that you're wearing until you check and you start noticing them. And I think sometimes we're trying to understand this sense of self with our heads, but yeah. it's not like that. I know for me, sometimes I experience this sense of self as a soft part of me, a soft voice. It's not pushy, it's not demanding. Perhaps that's the best description that for me, it's soft and it's not pushy or demanding. It's not asking me to do anything. It's very wise. Speaking about this wise self that we all have, sometimes we don't know how to tap into it because we are over-identified with our accomplishments or with our failures. We are over-identified with our careers and projects and contracts and books. How do you see that today, given where you are in life? Mm, I'm in a good place. Mm. Yeah, I totally get what you're what you're asking. Um, I think for me, the difference between the two voices is one of the things that we need to discriminate, that we need to learn to know the difference. Like what, what voice is talking to me before you want to? do anything else you want to gather the information mm-hmm. that's how I go about it like I consider it that the the voice of who I believe I am are lessons learned in life mm-hmm. a very very young age is embodied it's it's like you know your body has memories it's there and for me it's as I said it's my stomach mm-hmm. I feel threatened I feel uh, anxious And it's all black and white. And the thing that I'm worried about is super important. Mm -hmm. There's only a good way or a bad way. There's not nuancing in it. It's like, yeah, it's it's, um, disastrous scenarios that come into my mind. Um, And today I find myself more in a place of, I guess two things are, are come up for me. One is freedom. Mm-hmm. I feel freer because this is not something that that um, takes over besides mm-hmm. my life and in, in a, I mean in very small things and that's I'm if you notice it there then I'm so happy like for example I was sick the last week and a half and I had to cancel my appointments and then for every appointment I debated with myself like can I can I do that and shouldn't I go to work and maybe the next appointment I can go and and, you know I was I was so sick I could not go to work but every appointment I kept debating about shouldn't I just can I push myself Mm. and then I just all of a sudden I realized like but it's not that important as you make it out to be Mm. it's just an appointment just you know don't don't make it bigger than it is. Um, and so what if that fails? And so what if the next one fails? It's not a big deal. You can stand up and, you know, do what, what is important for you. So freedom and 
and the importance of things, you know, really questioning the importance of things are two things that I can now do based on a sense of I know who I am. Mm-hmm. And when I'm too focused on getting everything under control, mm-hmm. I've lost myself there. I don't know who I am. I just am focused on the next thing that I need to do and do and do and do. And I'm, I'm just, I am not. So I'm not in control of, of what I'm deciding. I, I'm, my attention is with other people, with a task at hand, but not with me. I'm not talking to the main person in the room. Mm-hmm. So powerful. I can totally appreciate the place where you are in life. We connected a couple of months ago and I experienced the openness to life. And even today, right, your flexibility, your kindness and how you are relating to all the stuff that our mind tells us. I can see that you're in a very different place. And I get curious, how will have been I have met you 20 years ago? What will the mind be telling you, right? <laughs> oh, I can tell you that. Uh, I can tell you that. I've, I've, like, I have a history of panic attacks throughout my whole life like severe panic attacks and a really big uh, uh, fear of failing um, so probably 20 years ago you would have thought I'm a very uh, sympathetic girl wise I would have you know done everything you wanted of me mm. my heart rate would probably be up um, I would be exhausted from doing the interview mm-hmm. because it have taken so much of me to be perfect for you um i would be worried that this would that the interview would be good enough um and if it would have been good enough i would still ask you for feedback because i wanted to hear that you think it's good enough everything was about being good enough everything Mm -hmm. such a different place and i think takes a lot of courage to be making those shifts and to keep evolving with the experiences that come to us. I really admire your sense of self-reflection, of curiosity, really diving into it. It's just so, so powerful. <laughs> I, I, I thank you. I thank you. And at the same time, I guess that's what really connects the both of us because I'm, I know that they, the same thing goes for you too. So. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you are feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingwithsafe.zone. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing with safe actions. See you soon! <laughs>